welcome to another episode of National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories. I'm Eleanor and joining me today as always is Mark. Hi Mark. Hey Eleanor, how are you? I'm doing alright, how are you? I'm good. I love that as always. Because it is us, but it's going to get to a stage where we're going to have other people, you know, coming back onto the podcast. I think people will be happy to hear different voices voices than ours. (laughs) Not that you don't have a lovely voice, you do. It's, oh, it's, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more about me. But yeah, we're back doing another episode of Talking Stories. Yes, indeed. It does feel strange because the museum is, uh, is, is, is a museum of um, loads of people. Not loads of people, like 12. But more than us. More than just us, yeah. It, it's getting very lonely at this stage. And I wonder what the long-term psychological effects of spending this much time... Uh, in such small numbers is going to be. I watched someone talking about this experience that we're all going through as an evolutionary marker, mm. as a possible pivoting point in the story where it'll be all changed. The world will be new again. Yes, as if um, we've just come out of a world war or something. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to our stories, I mean, in our stories, we know all about wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's strange for such a small little rock. We've been invi- invaded so many times and by so many people, both in real life, mm-hmm. but but definitely in our stories as well. Yes, indeed. As soon as um, one new uh, group or race gets comfortable, another one comes along to knock them out. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't see the appeal. Don't get me wrong. I love Ireland and I love being Irish, mm. but um, surely there's warmer places. <laughs> <laughs> surely there's nicest, nicer places that people can go to. And I think it was the... The Romans had no interest in in Ireland or or Hibernia as they called it because mm. it was a it was a savage land and I think they were referring to both the people and the landscape and and the environment basically. Mm. But the uh, the two day diamonds name for Ireland was the Island of Destiny, Ooh. you know. And I you can imagine then you know them sailing towards this you know um, and out of the mist when the mist clears comes this 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 green and pleasant land. Sorry, that's England. So they turn right. <laughs> <laughs> to the east. Careful now. Careful now. A tourist board. I was about to say our tourist board would love how you're talking about us. And then you went and ruined it. <laughs> anyway, they turn east away from the green and um, pleasant land. And they come across this, this emerald, lush, mysterious land. Yes, with the rocky shores and yes, the freezing indeed. cold water. <laughs> not too bad though like our southeast gets some get some nice warm currents and that you know it does indeed the sunny southeast we're okay we're okay making fun of ireland ourselves but see if someone else does it see not into Very it different. then not yeah. into it then but uh yeah the appeal of people coming over to it because i suppose it's a fairly westerly point in europe before you get the obviously the massive massive water then is the next thing for for quite a while yes the Atlantic Ocean. And, and you know, for, for many years, no one thought there was anything beyond that. And some still don't think there is. <laughs> <laughs> Which wouldn't be fair, because there's plenty. <laughs> the Iron Islands, for one. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a strange one. It seems to have just been such a, a significant little rock. Yes, indeed. And speaking of international incidents... I'm I'm already nervous about where you're going to go with this. <laughs> well, I just thought that brought us very nicely to our story today. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I thought it was going to be something for the news. <laughs> oh. um, so this story is uh, the coming of the Milesians to Ireland. And Even the name Milesians just yeah. sounds so exotic. <laughs> it does. Um, and it's uh, one of my favourite stories. Yeah, I mean, we, we it, it's an origin story, 
as of sorts. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, because like you were saying, um, you know, whenever um, Ireland is a country that's been invaded so many times and a lot more than, um, a lot many more times than, than many people realise. Yeah. Um, and this isn't the most original origin story. This isn't the one that goes farthest back, but I think it's accepted by and large as an origin story for the Irish people, for the Gales. And at some point you've got to pick, okay, this is where we're starting from. Yeah, yeah, yeah it started from that. And, it, and it's the beginning is something else, which the story's got to explain. And I mean, Potty does the story so beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. Will we, will we let him take it away? Okay, well, let's let him take it away, so... The story begins many thousands of years ago in the north of Spain with a family known as the Sons of Mill. The Sons of Mill were builders, like many Irish people after them. They enjoyed building things, but they particularly enjoyed building towers. And one day the whole family got together and they decided they would build the tallest tower that Europe had ever seen, the Burj Khalifa of its day. And at the top of the this very tall tower, they placed their youngest son, well, I say he was their youngest son, he was possibly their most annoying son, Ith. And Ith, who was a bit of a sorcerer, had a bit of magical ability, could see further than anyone who has ever lived. He would gaze out o'er the lands, gaze out o'er the countryside, but he really enjoyed looking out o'er the crystal blue waves. And one day, while looking off to the northwest, he saw what appeared to him to be the most beautiful island in the world. He marvelled at it and thought, how could anywhere be so green, so fertile? Surely it is a mirage. But the more he looked at it, the realer and realer it became, until he realised he was gazing at what we call home, Ireland, Hibernia, Erin. It ran to the bottom of the very tall tower, and he told his brothers about this fantasy island, but no one would believe him. He went to the king of the gales, saying, My lord, there is a land off to the northwest, and it is ripe for conquest. It is more fertile than any land we have ever dreamed of. But the king said, I have enough on my plate. I don't want to send a fleet and an army off towards a fantasy. But Ith himself would not be deterred. He and his very young son set sail in their tiny wee boat, their tiny wee curragh, off towards the northwest. They were blown off course many times and had many trials and tribulations on their journey. But eventually they made land. It found that the countryside of Ireland was just as green and fabulous as he had seen from the tower. 
But he also learned that the king of the Tuatadonnan, Kermit Honeymouth, that's right, his name was Kermit Honeymouth, had recently died. And he had left the kingdom to whichever of his sons was the strongest. The three boys were constantly at one another's throats. If one brother said black, the other brother said white, and the third brother said blue. If one brother said east, the other brother said west, and the other brother said north. Ith decided that he would settle now in Ireland, and he would try and broker a peace between the three brothers. He got everybody together, prepared a fabulous feast, and said to the brothers in a toast, Look at the land you have been given. See how fresh and fertile it is. Compared to the rock where I grew up, this is a paradise. The three brothers looked at one another and they agreed. Their father had indeed gifted them a paradise. But their next thought wasn't, Oh, Dad has given us plenty we shouldn't be fighting. Their next thought was, Dad has given us a paradise. And what does it want? What is he doing here? The two had Daydonan were very jealous of all the things that they owned. And some would say they were always suspicious of outsiders. And so, sad though it might be to hear it, the two Hedaidonin, the three brothers, swiftly put Ith to death. The young son barely escaped with his life and sailed immediately home to Spain with the body of his father. What a lonely journey that must have been, all alone on the North Atlantic in a tiny boat with the body of the person you loved most in the whole world. When the Gales heard what had happened to Ith and his son, oh, they were furious. The king of the Gales hadn't been willing to give Ith one boat to explore Ireland, but he would send 64 battleships to avenge his death, to avenge his honour, to avenge the reputation of the Gales. But why were the Gales like this? Well, the word Gaelic is very special. It comes from the old Irish word for a spear. The whole people was named after a weapon of war. Imagine there were a people alive today who referred to themselves as the AK-47s. You'd realise fairly quickly that they didn't come here to make friends. They weren't in the business of making friends. They were in the business of war. War, great and terrible. And so the 64 battleships set sail on the stormy Atlantic, but all 64 made it to the coast of Ireland. The Gales could see that the country was shrouded in a thick cloak of mist. And every so often, 
they would catch glimpses of what appeared to them to be a giant monstrous boar with huge tusks. This was clearly a magic spell used by the Tuha de Donan to deter any uh, unwanted guests. But the Gales were not afraid of any giant uh, boar. They landed uh, what is today Hoth, uh, or possibly Dunleary, depending on who you're asking, and they marched inland. American, the chief uh, counsellor of the Milesians, quickly went to the three brothers and said, You should surrender at once, or we shall make a waste of your kingdom and call it peace. The brothers turned to American and said, This is very unsportsmanlike. We haven't been preparing for an invasion. Are the gales so weak that they must come upon us by surprise? Oh, the gales were very prideful and thought that it would be a more pleasant victory, a more heroic victory, if the two sides were evenly matched. And so the gales agreed to wait a distance of nine waves offshore while the two had day done and prepared. When the gales were anchored nine waves offshore, though, the two had day done and threw everything at them. The waves roared up like mountains, and thunder came down in mighty streams. But Amergen, the chief poet of the Milesians, stepped forward into the prow of the boat, and with the beauty of his song and the beauty of his poetry, quieted the storm. The sea became as calm as a sheet of glass, and the gales once again made land. They were greeted by three goddesses, Fiodla, Bamba, and Eru. Each of the goddesses promised the Milesians victory in battle if only they would name the country after her. Now the Gaels had a bit of a confab, a bit of a, a conference, and they said to one another, Well, we were tossed about on the waves, so we should not name the country after either the goddess of the air or the goddess of the sea. Let us name the country after the goddess of the land, Eru, and that is where we get Era today. But personally, I think Bondaland would have worked just as well. The goddess was right. By naming the country after her, they were indeed granted victory in battle. The Milesians, with their superior technology, swiftly defeated the Tuhede Donan, and they drove them first out into the far west. And then, when the Milesians had taken all of the land, the head of the Tuhede Donan turned to Amergen, saying, Where shall we go? You have taken everything away from us. To which he replied, You can go under the ground, by which he meant, you can all die. 
but the two had dead on it, took it very literally, and they descended deep down under the ground into a network of tunnels where they lie and wait to this day. And so we see here that the origin of the fairies has always been very closely linked to the origin of the Irish people. These days we don't get many holidays in the north of Spain, but hopefully the sun will shine for us once again on crystal clear blue water. That's the coming of the Milesians. They came, they saw, they conquered. Yeah, I, I, it, it does come across like that, but you got to remember when they come over originally, it's to say, oh my God, what a, what a beautiful land you have. Yes, it's just Ith and his son on their own. Yeah. And they're ambushed. Yeah. Once they um, demonstrate to the, to the three young kings of the Tour de Danon how beautiful their land is, they get jealous, and, and that's why the Milesians, uh, the Gaels, have to go over to avenge its death. It's true. I mean, I know Irish people don't take compliments well, <laughs> but that's a bit excessive. Uh, it's like kind of like realizing what they have and not wanting anyone to take it. But it's 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 so Irish. I, I know the Merlesians then are seeing like the Irish people that we have today, the inhabitants of the land. Yeah, the two a day, and and those people seem to be more like the the indigenous people of Ireland. Mm. But calling it a like an origin story of this is now the Irish people. It's got a bang of colonialism off it that makes me really uncomfortable. It does. It does. To say this is the, you know, um, you know, this is the origin story of the Irish people because they were, um, at this point, the last people or the last yeah. race to come up until, um, you know, the Normans and the Norse. Yeah, but, but on that scale, yeah. that, that changed the landscape. Um but it's, it's, I think it's one of our most important stories. Yes, it is. It's strange. It's never a story I did in school. No, no. This is not something you would have heard about in school. I think just because of, it might have complicated things in history class. I mean, but that's, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> yeah, I could understand that I would. But I mean, again, like, I mean, remove the fantasy from it. Mm. And it's a, a fairly accurate portrayal. Um we also, it's also credited as being the start of the whole thing of fairies, the she in Ireland. Yes. When the two of they are driven into ground. And one possible take on that I know that I've discussed over the years with people in the museum is this idea that our other world, where they go to, mm. is the afterlife. Right. We know that these kind of like chambers and tunnels around Ireland, these ancient sites, are burial sites in many cases. Mm. So that's where they go on to live. Um but it, it is the beginning of a fairy folk. But what about the people who were left? Surely the Milesians didn't come in and kill every single person. So you would have descendants of an earlier inhabitant of Ireland. Yes, indeed. Um, I remember reading that um, because this um, the the, um, the 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 story of the uh, the Irish people, the Gaelic people, coming from. Um, northern Spain from Galicia um, wasn't only believed in Ireland, it was also believed in, in Spain. So that 
so that in um, say early modern Europe, when a lot of Irish people like the like the uh, when a lot of Irish people were were fleeing Ireland for Spain, like the flight of the earls, they were given um, the same rights as Spanish people there. Because they yeah. were considered to be the same. Well, they, they play Gaelic games over there. Yes, indeed. They play Gaelic sports. And I think Irish people have been very lucky in that we are received so well around the world. Yes. And I think it's we rely on a hospitality that traditionally we've offered as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that wasn't always the case, but we're very lucky it is now. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't always the case. Because <laughs> we see this in this story where they come and we go, isn't your garden lovely? And they're like, OK, we're going to kill you for that. <laughs> uh, but Potty tells that story beautifully. He does. And you can just imagine if you've been on um, television or something, you know, um, turning to, to camera three and delivering his asides yeah. like the AK-47 which is an amazing line Potty has a way of drawing you into a story with the most eloquent language and, and, and beautiful turn, kind of turn of phrase and then just drops you a little a little kind of like pop culture reference which momentarily kind of snaps you back into modern day yeah and, and he, he brings so much of himself to it as well and his humour and his way of seeing the world yeah Bombaland <laughs> Bombaland would be fantastic. Bombaland would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I want to bring my kids to Bombaland. Yeah, it, it reminded me of the old uh, Chevy Chase movies, the uh, National Lampoon's oh, vacations yeah. where they go to Wally Wally World. But uh, yeah, I'd visit. I'd visit Bombaland. Yeah, but it all, I mean, it makes me. It, it, even though we're sitting here in Dublin, in Ireland, mm. it, it makes the appeal of Ireland so much stronger. Oh, yeah. As an Irish person, it's really easy to like this story because it's all about how perfect and beautiful and enchanting Ireland is. And you go, yeah. Yeah, nice. We're, we're, <laughs> on, we're on board with that. Um, but there's this whole thing of fairness in it as well with regards to the actual battle between the two. It's like, oh, we're not quite ready. Would you mind giving us a few minutes? Yeah, I love that. And it is. It, it is that seems to be fairly common amongst it. There is this thing of equality and balance mm. in Ireland. And I know me, myself and yourself, Eleanor, were discussing this recently in terms of the Brehan laws and marriage and equality in marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the whole thing of um, of Maeve um, and her little disagreement. Yes. Her little disagreement, <laughs> which led to one of the bloodiest kind of situations in Irish mythology, uh, the cattle raid of Cooley and, and everything that follows. I um, can't believe you can call it a situation like it's fr- now I understand why they called the troubles the troubles. Yeah, the troubles. Yeah, what <laughs> I refer to as the situation. No, but like Maeve and Aaliyah are, are like lying in bed together and, and, you know, discussing what each of them owns. Mm. And it's just the cow and the difference. But there's that that need for balance. Yes. Um, as I say, it continues through, through so many of our stories. Mm-hmm. That, or that needs to have what you feel is, is entitled to you. Oh, there's a bang of entitlement after <laughs> of all of these people. But that's why the story's told about them. Yeah. They're problematic. If everyone got on well, there wouldn't be a story. True, true. Um, but there's so much, um, to, there's so many relatable elements in this story, like, um, there's 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 grief when yeah. when Ith dies. There's the there's the three squabbling brothers, the kings of the two a day, um, and then yeah, there is that um, after after the the the, the, the Milesians, the Gaels uh, conquer Ireland and beat the two a day down, and you know the 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 need to 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 wipe their existence from yeah from the land yeah leave no trace yeah. 
terrifying at the same time. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, but, but just how Potty tells it is absolutely be- describing the 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 sea, like the rage of the sea. But then to like how he soothes it with his with his words, with his poetry, and it's like mm. a sheet of glass. Yes. Oh, I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when I looked this morning at a. Uh, uh, at footage of, of Hoth and mm. the pier out in Hoth with the storms this morning, with the waves crashing over the top of the pier, um, was was a, 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 I had that image in my head when he's describing it. But like he says, depending on which part you're in, whether it's Hoth or Dunleary, they'll argue <laughs> over where they landed. If the story was bad in that regard, they'd be pushing it onto the other. Yeah. Pe- people would claim what they want. Every... I think there's variations within our folklore where almost every county will claim the story as their own. Oh, yeah. That's, it's, it's like when other people claim Irish people, like as I'd say, as British actors or, or British talent mm. um, when they are, in fact, Irish. I wonder if we do that. If we, if we claim people as Irish that aren't really. Yeah. I think we, we, I think we probably do. Like they do it every week on The Late Late Show, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Ryan Turby, the host, will ask every you know international star that 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 sits on his couch. You know, um, do you love Ireland? Is this your first time to Ireland? Uh, don't you just love it? Have you met the people? Don't you love the people? Our sense of yeah, humour. Yeah. But you've got people from here, haven't you? No, I believe you have. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, it's 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 a strange little rock with a huge amount of influence, um, which which makes me very proud to be Irish. Yeah. When we do, when we get things wrong, it's very embarrassing. It is. It is. Um, we don't really have the have the power on an international level to get things too wrong. You know, we haven't messed up any nuclear deals or anything like well, that. Well, we're sitting on the Security Council now uh, <laughs> on, on, of the UN. Uh, we finally took our seat in the last few months. Yeah. So you know, there's still time. There's definitely time. But one of the we're one of the few European countries looking at our connection to Europe and to mm. Spain in particular. Mm. We're one of the few countries that has a lower population now than we had in the 15th century. Yes, indeed. We have been decimated, and it's nice to see the range of people who call Ireland their home now. And and that's very much what this story is about, because what what Irish was in terms of nationality when I was growing up 30 years ago. I was 30 years ago. I was a teenager. Mm. You know, and it was a very different Ireland. And it's beautiful now to see just how much diversity we have. It really is. As long as, you know, and people are coming over and getting involved, you know what I mean? But not arriving over in their ships and, and slaughtering everyone. Yeah. And, um, and you know, people not killing other people just because they like the place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but Eru uh, is probably a, uh, a familiar sort of figure or character, even if you don't know anything about Irish mythology, um, because uh, she sort of became like a, like a mother goddess. And yeah. it became like sort of the female image of Ireland, Era, Erin. Yeah. You know, um, especially when the, all, all, all the uh, all the propaganda. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> all, 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 when we were when we were you know gathering our numbers. Yes, like in the Gaelic League or during the the, the War of in- Independence a um, hundred years ago. Now, yeah. Erin um, was always there, you know, inspiring her her young brave men to fight. Well, that's something we faced. In, well, I, I know I faced in the museum over the years, which were people asking. You know, well, we opened up in 2010 during a recession and people were like, well, what is the point in a leprechaun museum at this stage? Surely there are more important things. 
And we were faced again in 2016 when it was 100 years of the 1916 rebellion uh, rising. Um, people were like, because we didn't get too involved in that. We saw the most respectful thing to do was to take a step back. Hmm. But the stories that we tell are the stories that influence the people to stand up, you yes, know, and indeed. to look at these great warriors and, and gods and, and, and goddesses and characters and think we have a lot to be proud of and it's time to take a stand and, and take what's ours. Yes, indeed. I think a lot of the um, because a lot of our stories in our mythology are, are about wars and, you know, uh, unpleasant situations <laughs> yeah. and um, unpleasant situations, yeah. You know, and especially when you think of like Podrick Pierce was very taken with the blood sacrifice now. Oh, mad for it! Yeah, <laughs> mad, <laughs> mad for the yeah, blood sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, and you know his own little situations. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm regret I'm regretting referring to it as a situation now. I feel like you're mocking me. I uh, know it's, it's <laughs> no, no, no. It's it, it is interesting. Will I let Will I let, let you live it down? No, no. But <laughs> Uh, I, I think your behaviour is telling people more about the Irish people than Paddy's <laughs> story has. Uh, but again, what what a beautiful story um, yeah. to tell. And I think, like I said, having not done that in school, I think there's a lot of Irish people who won't be familiar with this story. No. I remember when I first came to the museum, I wasn't familiar with the story. Re- and yet, yet my favourite telling ever of that story is by you. Oh. <laughs> like again, party, and I know you'll be listening to this. I love you, and I can't compliment that enough. But in terms of of what you did with it back then, uh, and this is the thing: when we open again, mm. when we open up to the public and the doors open and people are coming inside the museum, I think there'll be a renewed um, enthusiasm for the storytelling. Yes, um, I know all the guys are are like chomping at the bit to do it again. Uh, not so much looking forward to people being late for their tours and, 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 and things like that, but to actually have a flesh and blood audience, you know, in, in, in our eye line is going to be great. But these stories are going to be told again and again. Yeah. I think uh, something that that drew me to this story when um, when I was about a month or two into to being a storyteller at the museum, it was obviously for this, this Culture Night event, right? Yeah, Three remember, of us. Yeah had to uh, were were picked to to tell a story to um to to these crowds and uh, and I was the and I was the new kid yeah. so <laughs> and I had to prove myself um yeah <laughs> yeah That's, I'm not going to say that wasn't the situation I no, want to see what very you could much do <laughs> the, the dynamic and um you know and I was told to, to go away and pick a, like a substantial story yeah you know and um, and I was and I was reading through that one, and I was very taken. I remember with the idea that um, initially I was very taken with the idea that the, the two a day asked the Milesians when they first came over um, to invade. Hey, we've got no warning. We're not ready. Go back in your ships and um, and and sail back over nine waves length, and then turn around and face us, and we'll be ready. And I thought that was really funny. And I said this to, um, to, 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 to everyone, to our little group who was preparing for this when um, I was asked what story I was going to do. And, and Paddy said it was a very uh, dry, dull story. And that one, that was really told. Oh, yeah. And I was, was like, oh, it? well, I like it. But I think the stories have to be told to inject that energy into them. Like yeah. on paper, like, you know what I mean? If you just kind of, put down the facts of the story it's not as interesting it's a beautiful language around it i mean 
it, if people enjoy that story and want to see where it fits into the actual kind of framework of Irish mythology, um, Over Nine Waves is actually the name of the book, and it's a book of Irish le- legends by Marie Heaney. Mm-hmm. Um, beautifully written story, and you get to like continue on. I mean, there's a bit before, there's a few stories yeah. happened before oh, that, yeah. uh, and it's the continuation past that point where there's a few, as I say, Uh, situations <laughs> arise. But I, I really like how this story is a part of my origin story at the museum. Yeah, it, re- it really yeah. is. And I remember, I can picture you still leaning against a pillar in the fairy hill telling the story to us. And, and, and the shoulders hunched and the hands in the pockets. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's one of my fond memories. Oh, stop. Oh, listen, we're getting all good. Oh, so here, hey, ruin it, ruin it. Why don't you ruin it? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I, um, yeah, this is a really special story. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really is. And, and I'm hoping that you guys listen to this and going to enjoy it. There's so many more stories that we've already covered in podcasts. And the great thing is that we're not going to run out of stories. No. Because uh, there'll be another podcast. Yes. In about uh, two weeks from now, once you listen to this, um, there'll be... Um, our next podcast and after this will be on the 1st of March yeah, and then the 15th and so on as you know already uh, we're still doing our live streams uh, every Tuesday and Thursday uh, Tuesday uh, on Facebook Live and Thursday on Instagram Live uh, myself and Mark are telling stories there you can join us you can chat and hang out it's a really nice place to be mm-hmm. and uh, we've also still making our talking videos uh, which do a deep dive into different uh, topics and themes Uh, from Irish folklore and mythology, our next one, uh, which actually will be out where, by the time you hear this, is Talking Love uh, for Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, I'm it's so val- uncomfortable with how you <laughs> said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm never doing that in the workplace again. No, I apologize. No, please, let's get the forms. Yeah. Um, and um, myself and Mark are always here in the museum if you ever want to email us or message us and ask us any questions about what we do and how we do it and why we do it yeah and on rare occasions when we're on site here in the museum and we only come in for the minimal amount of time we need to do our lives and and do recordings uh, but on rare occasions even the phone will ring (gasps) Oh, my gosh. I know. Next thing you know, there'll be a knock at the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And someday the, the museum will, will open again to the public. Yeah. Yeah. You can come in and, and uh, put, a, put a face to the voice. That's it. All right. Well, we'll leave it there, folks. Thank you so much for joining us again for the coming of the Milesians. And thank you so much to Paddy for telling us that fantastic story in his own inimitable, fabulous way. He, he, he is a god among men. He is a god among men. And not just because he's quite tall. No, uh, <laughs> with a fabulous beard. Yes, indeed. We're descending into just thanking body. Well, Eleanor, thank you so much for having me on the podcast again. Of course. There's, well, you know, it's, it's, it's the two of us, Mark. I know, but we, we take, one of us takes a position of power each time. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, thank you so much, Mark, for, uh, for, for being here. And uh, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this this episode, uh, please uh, like and review and share it with your friends. That's a big help to us. And um, see you again soon. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye.
Okay, we're all done there. <laughs> <laughs>